Exactly how minor is Rob Gronkowski's injury? Now that Jordy Nelson is off the PUP list, when, if ever, will he start to look like his 2014 self? And are fantasy drafters looking at the Carolina receivers incorrectly? Plus, 2015 KFFSC main event champion and $7,500 winner James Adams will join us to talk about how he eked out of Week 16 with the overall title, what he's trying to improve upon this season, and much more. The Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship Commissioner Farrell Elliott also swings in to roll out the Farrell Barrel full of your emails in our 2016 Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship preview show tonight. We've got a great show for you. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. We run a brand with a structure for number one commitment. It's all a joke. Thanks a lot, Rob. Greetings and salutations, all you alcoholic bankers. Zach and Adams, welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. Coming up on tonight's show, we'll take a closer look at the receiving landscape for both teams, Philly and Tennessee, after Doriel Green Beckham was sent north. And we will also give some tips to players who are not drafting receivers early this season, plus 2015 KFFSC main event champion James Adams drops by to discuss Jamal Charles, Martellus Bennett, and his big $7,500 win from last season. And the unofficial third host of the show and KFFSC commissioner, uh, Farrell Elliott, will be answering your emails tonight ahead of the opening weekend of the KFFSC in Cincinnati. So a very exciting show for you tonight. Uh, a lot of uh, Kentucky stuff going on. Once again, too, the, the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, we always talk about going down to Kentucky every single year. You know, myself and Dave, uh, Tupacker, uh, Kurt, uh, of course, our, our buddy Kurt, and then uh, the real Leroy. Um, that is next weekend. But remember, the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship also has live drafts going on this Sunday at the Horseshoe in Cincinnati, Ohio. So it, things will actually kick off for the live events for Kentucky uh, on Sunday, the main event drafts online drafts have actually already taken place. Uh, I believe there's been three of them in the books already. Uh, there's uh, there's some more next week as well during the week. So uh, things are in full swing uh, with Kentucky. Things are in full swing with the FFPC as well. I mean, I, I feel like we spent most of this off season talking about, you know, uh, how, you know, Draft, the thick of draft season is coming up, you know, and, and, and the launch of the Football Guys Players Championship is coming up, and all these things are, are going to be here before you know it. Well, now we've already had two early draft slot uh, announcements for the main event. Uh, the Football Guys Players Championship has been going on now for two and a half months, roughly, somewhere around there. 
we've had just a slew of classics and satellites. I mean, people, we're in week two of the preseason. It's here. I mean, we are here. We are in it right now. And if you want to get involved in any of the Superflex online satellite leagues, uh, Football Guys Players Championship leagues, uh, go over to myffpc.com. You can log in and uh, check out all the action we have going on there this weekend for leagues. Uh, reminder that tomorrow is the last date for the 10-hour slow online draft. So if you want to get in a slow draft, make sure that you are uh, signing up uh, by tomorrow because they will be cut off after this weekend uh, because we want to get th- these drafts done in time for the start of the NFL season. So tomorrow is your last day for that. Uh, the final dynasty startups of the season are filling up right now. We have a... Uh, I believe we have a draft, a dynasty draft, actually two startups coming up within the next uh, within the next few days. So those are the last dynasty startups of the season. Make sure that you are getting on board for those if you want to play in any dynasty this year. And the Football Guys Players Championship, uh, it, it, I mean, it's we're, we're selling it faster than when we did last year. I mean, you, you if you want to get in on it, get in on it now. Make sure you register for the times and dates you want to sign up for and uh, make sure that you don't get left out. $1.8 million prize pool. $250,000 grand prize. Same thing goes for the main event. Plenty of spots still available for the live event as well as online uh, out at the Westgate Superbook. That is going to be a blast this year. Uh, and don't forget about the Draft Sharks Mock Draft Trainer that just got released. You heard Jared Smola announce it when uh, he was co-hosting Pros versus Joes with me a couple of weeks ago. A very cool tool. I've used it. I enjoy it. And then, of course, the Football Guys Draft Dominator released on all platforms. You can actually put it on your computer now, too. It's not just for your tablet, your phone. Uh, you can also get it on your computer, which is also awesome. So all that, a lot of great stuff going on uh, with, uh, with the FFPC and the Football Guys Players Championship right now. I also want to thank Football Guys and Draft Sharks as well as Roto World, our producer and mutual friend Rob, our audio engineer Bryce, uh, for helping prepare tonight's show. Shout out to everybody in the chat room right now. You guys can post your questions in there. If you want to connect with us at HSFF Hour, at Eric Balkman, at David Gerzak. You can also connect with James Adams at JamesAdams94 on Twitter, Facebook.com slash the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. And, of course, highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com is the inbox. Bryce and Rob will get those uh, questions to us uh, in the Pharaoh Barrel later on in the show. Uh, like, like I said before, uh, James Adams is going to be our guest tonight. He won the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship last year. Now, normally we have him come on about 15 minutes uh, into the show. However, he's actually on the play-by-play call uh, for a high school football game tonight. So he may be a little bit late, but we will have the commissioner Farrell Elliott on. So it's going to be a great preview of what's going on tonight. We, um, we uh, will discuss with him uh, his championship last year. We'll talk to Farrell and let you know what's still available in the Kentucky fantasy football state championship as well. That is all coming up on tonight's show. Let's get to the football news. It is uh, a bit of breaking news tonight. Uh, for those of you who are listening live, Matt Jones, Uh, goes down with what they're calling a sprained AC joint uh, in his shoulder right now. Uh, So that is uh, what's going on with Matt Jones. This was in the second preseason game uh, tonight. He suffered this injury. Uh, It looked really bad uh, from what I was told. I did not see the game, but it sounded like uh, it it could have been potentially really serious. This was at the end of the first quarter. Uh, He came uh, off the field, came back in the second quarter with his arm in a sling, uh, probably won't see him anymore in the preseason, especially with how wafer thin Washington's uh, backfield is. But 
Uh, you have to look at Chris Thompson and Rob Kelly actually is the other guy you need to take a look at who came in behind Matt Jones rushes three times for eight yards tonight, but obviously the opportunity is going to be there in that Redskins backfield as long as Jones is out. Now, if you're going to be drafting Jones this weekend, I think that you have to look at the potential reward of him dropping maybe a couple of rounds and maybe looking at getting him in the eighth or ninth. That could be a really boon, uh, a boon to your fantasy prospects, especially if you're drafting a lot of receivers and tight ends early. However, if you're drafting him in the sixth round, roughly where he was going before, I think you have to reevaluate and look for another running back at that position uh, there. I think that there are better options. You need to ding Matt Jones like his shoulder was dinged tonight, and I, I don't think you can safely take him uh, where he was going in, in Football Guys Players Championship drafts and uh, FFPC uh, satellite drafts. I'm actually looking that up right now to see where he was going. Uh, previously, before this injury, he was actually going at the 604, so early sixth round. You want to look elsewhere at that point. Uh, perhaps a guy like Danny Woodhead, Duke Johnson, Ryan Matthews would all make better solutions uh, for the running back in the sixth round or even the late fifth at this point. So big caution to all you Matt Jones owners out there. That just happened tonight. And I don't want to say that we're breaking more news, but this actually came through this afternoon today uh, from Adam Schefter at ESPN. Uh, Steelers running back Le'Veon Bell is uh, actually having his suspension, not eliminated, but reduced by one game. So he will only be suspended for the first three games of the season. He will be eligible to play uh, week four, I believe, that is against the Kansas City Chiefs uh, as a primetime game as well. Now, if you're factoring Le'Veon Bell's suspension into your rankings already, which you should have been, you're, you're not doing it right if you didn't, uh, but the fact is, one game, I don't know how big of a difference that is. I know DraftShark sent out an email today. They said it's significant. I mean, we're talking about another 6% of the season he's actually eligible for. And if you are looking at it from the standpoint of an FFPC uh, main event or Football Guys Players Championship regular season, that's only 11 weeks long. Well, then it's even bigger. Uh, so I think that you, you will probably look at him. If, if you were looking at him in the, in the uh, early third, you were probably already looking at him in the early second. So maybe you bump him up to the mid-second. Uh, maybe even uh, the, the early second. I think that you have to understand, too, it only takes one guy to like Le'Veon Bell, uh, and he could end up going in the mid to uh, late first round of drafts as well based on this news. So he is only going to be suspended for three games this season. Good news if you already drafted Bell. Maybe you got him at a discount. But he will be back week four. Adjust your rankings accordingly. In other uh, news, injury news, uh, we, we give you the Matt Jones thing earlier in the show, but Rob Gronkowski, this is according to NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, uh, reporting that uh, he left Monday's practice, but the injuries actually be considered uh, minor. Uh, now this, you know, this is the Patriots, so we don't know exactly what's going to happen. We don't know what's true and what's not. I mean, you have to take this for a grain of salt, and obviously it doesn't get any uh, higher stakes uh, for the Patriots' fantasy aspects than Rob Gronkowski, who's been a slam-dunk first-round pick in FFPC drafts um, for, I don't know, like four years going going on that, something like that right now. So obviously, you, you know, you need to be exercising caution. Now, me personally, I'm avoiding him. I'm not taking him in the first round. I feel like you, there, you want to get a, a certain sense of safety in your first round, and Gronk could be a league winner, but A.J. Green could be a league winner this year. Um, David Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott could be league winners this year. So I'm avoiding Rob Gronkowski this year. Dave, I don't know how you feel about Gronk in the first round. If you were playing in an FFPC uh, tight end premium contest, I am avoiding. Well, Valky, I took him at the 102 pick in the Taylor Young Memorial League. <clears throat> so I love him. 
But this was prior to his injury, though, that you took him, right? I don't care about the injury. He's fine. Okay. Now, he probably is. I'm just saying that from my standpoint, I'm going to go with a guy in the first round that I know is not injured because he's out there playing preseason, you know, or, or a guy that's being protected uh, because they want to keep him healthy for the regular season. Now, you can make that case with Rob Gronkowski. And honestly, if he played on a different team than the Patriots, I'd probably be warmer and fuzzier about this. But the injury is just too fuzzy for me right now. 102 might be a little early right now. but I get it in, the, in that type of format. But that with, was before the injury. I mean, right. I'd still take him the first round. Sure, why not? Okay. Did you, uh, did you, so your thoughts on, um, we don't need to talk about Le'Veon Bell, but Matt Jones, the Matt Jones injury that happened tonight. Sprained AC joint. Could play week one of the regular season, probably done for the preseason. What are you doing with him if you're drafting this weekend? That's what the prognosis is. That's the prognosis. Um, I would take Keith Marshall a little bit earlier. I think he's the guy that's got the potential to be the huge upside play. Uh, yeah, I'd put Jones down. I'd move him down a little bit, a couple rounds. That's what I said, too. I think like eighth round is, is kind of where I'd be looking at him right now. Uh, and then I, I would, And I would feel okay taking him there, actually. Though. Yeah. I would actually be fine with it and uh, be a good zero RB guy. There's been a lot of uh, players over the years, people, remember that we've been overzealous in our injury concerns with them in the preseason, and then they end up coming out week one and crushing it on forward. So don't be too shy. Don't be stupid, obviously. But don't be too shy. Whatever. Doriel Green Beckham, zero for two on his targets in uh, Thursday's preseason nice. game, Dave. Yeah, this was uh, – he actually played for Philly, which is a little surprising. He just came over this week in that trade. Uh, let's talk about the trade, first of all, from the DGB standpoint. Are you more like, – well, it's, I mean, he was kind of off redraft radars. Let's talk from a dynasty standpoint with Doriel Green Beckham. Is this a better thing for his prospects? Did his value go up with the move to Philly now? I would say his pro- – his- his prospects went down because I think that you can tell the NFL values him less. Tennessee didn't value him enough to keep him. Uh, so I think overall it's a, it's a, I would be happy to deal him at this point if I could get anything close to what he was worth before the trade. Would you I trade? Overall it's better. Not, I mean, Tennessee obviously just doesn't like him. So Philly, they have a problem. They don't have any big guys on the outside. They have, you know, Matthews is kind of a glorified slot player and uh, Aguilar is a skinny dude. So <laughs> right. If, you know, who knows? Maybe he could, he could mount something, but I wouldn't be holding out any hope for it to be this year. Like I said in the past, I didn't think this year was this breakout. If he's going to break out, it'd be next year. And even next year, or it could be a Stephen Hill type thing where he just bounces around the league until someone's finally like, God, this guy sucks. Yeah. I mean, there is a chance that his value, fantasy value, is at its highest right now than it will be in his entire career. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like one of those, uh, you know, a stock market, they say you don't want to hold a falling knife. That's what, you know, if the stock starts dropping and dropping, oh, no, now it's going to come back. Now it's time to buy. Maybe there's never a time to buy. Maybe yeah. it's going bankrupt. You know, the other thing, too, with, uh, with DGB, I got to believe that Tennessee did not just take the first offer that came to them. I'm sure that they talked to other teams. This was the best deal they could get. Uh, like you said, this is the NFL's valuation of Doriel Green Beckham at this point. What does this do for the Tennessee receivers that are left? Andre Johnson, Tajay Sharp, Richard Matthews, Harry Douglas, Justin Hunter. You excited about any more of these guys? I'm excited about both Matthews and Sharp, actually. I like both of them as possible guys. Um, Matthews just seemed like he's always been criminally underused where, he, where he's been playing, especially Miami. Uh, they kept on adding people and adding people, and, and anytime he played, he played well. And Sharp was one of those, you know, he's one of those Rotoviz phenom score, you know, guys that has a really high phenom score, actually. I yeah. think he went to Massachusetts. UMass, yep. Yeah, and he, uh, he's been playing he play, playing great in camp, supposedly. And if he's running with the ones already, and he was a fifth-round pick, I think, right? Yeah, it's just crazy. And it's not like he's a, he's a, like a big, fast, 
you know, Jeff Janis metrics type mm-hmm. guy. I right. mean, he is a metrics guy, but he's not like an overpowering, like yeah, he's not a, he's not Mr. Athlete. He's Mr. Producer. Right. Exactly. Which is what you want in yeah. fantasy. And I think that again, with the type of offense that Tennessee's going to be running this year, I think it really plays to the strengths of Sharp, Matthews and Delaney Walker. It makes a lot of sense uh, that they're doing what they're doing. What we're doing is the high stakes fantasy football hour. And we have the commissioner of the Kentucky fantasy so football state championship. First? He is going to be coming on. Listening to all your early no, no, crap. it's fine. It's fine. He, uh, it's all my early crap. I like that. Uh, he's going to be coming on right after the break. We're going to talk to him. We're going to get James Adams on uh, shortly thereafter. You're listening to the HSFF hour. It's our Kentucky preview episode. Eric Balkman, Dave Gerzak coming right back. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is previewing the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, which kicks off their uh, live events Sunday at the Horseshoe in Cincinnati, Ohio. That is Sunday, August 21st. And we are proud to bring on uh, the unofficial third co-host of the show, a man who has represented athletes, talent, singers, actors, everybody. And uh, now he's acting like he likes this show tonight. Uh, Farrell Elliott, welcome back to the program, man. Always good to have you on. Happy Kentucky Live Event Kickoff Weekend. Thank you, guys. You got it officially started, and I don't have to act to like this show, Bucky. This show is this show is what everyone in fantasy football lives for, man. What do you mean? It, it, well, it's very exciting. It's obviously not as good when we don't have you live in studio, but it's awesome that uh, that you're oh, still joining us. Fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I had a, I had a lot of fun that weekend too with with the uh, the musical acts that uh, that you represented that were actually in Northeast Wisconsin. I I had a blast watching them. It was it was a lot of fun, and it will be a lot of fun uh, next weekend when we're down in Louisville. But uh, you guys already have a full house uh, slated on Sunday, and you guys are actually uh, Farrell, the KFFFC. The, the revolution will be televised 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. You guys are broadcasting. Uh, the, the, yes, you're broadcasting the main event at the Horseshoe in, uh, in Cincinnati. I'm, I'm not signing any waiver, man. Yeah, we're broadcasting it on this great network called Facebook. They made a movie about it. You know, the, the little kid was in it. But anyway, I saw that movie. Uh, Facebook, Facebook Live, as long as Hakey's um, uh, laptop stays charged, We'll be broadcasting the uh, entire draft. I don't know. It worked online the other night, and uh, we had a, a, a numerous, uh, at least two or three people dropped in and watched it. No, there were a lot of there was a lot of uh, clicks. So anyway, you guys can see who all the Cincinnati drafters, the Cincinnati version of uh, the KFFSC main event, and who who's taken in that draft. And that's where our champion, our 2015 champion, came from, was a draft out of Cincinnati. Well, I'm sure we'll spend uh, all day tomorrow watching that uh, that broadcast. Well, I don't think you need to watch it all day, but I think you know you're having 12 hours uh, of a of a Facebook Live video that you can drop in from time to time, check things out. So let me get this straight. So Brandon just walks around with his laptop and is like, "Hey guys, what's going on?" And he just like you know sticks it in people's faces or what? No, he actually invested in a tripod. We set it right in front of the board, and the board streams live across our Facebook uh, uh, KFFSC Facebook page. Neato. Yeah, it's going to be very cool. Uh, I'm excited to uh, to I wouldn't tune exactly use the word cool. Hey, to to see what's going on live. <laughs> this at, is at fantasy the, football ball game. It, and that's why it's cool. So you do realize yes. what we're talking about. Hey, speaking of fantasy football, <laughs> let's talk. Uh, let's talk a little. Uh, Kenyon Barner. This is uh, according to CSN Phillies. Ruben Frank. He says it's pretty clear that Barner is actually the Eagles' number two running back. He's still in the lead. He says that Barner needs to have a role in the offense this year. Uh, stats so far in the preseason: twelve carries, sixty-six 
yards, one touchdown. Of course, pro football focus, who else uh, has the grades out on each position? He grades out as the number five running back in the preseason as of this morning. What the hell? Anyway. Barner known as, as more of a special teams return guy and a pass catcher, a uh, slider back. Uh, it sounds like he could be the man backing up Ryan Matthews. Uh, Darren Sproles obviously not going to be the bell cow there if given the opportunity. But Wendell Smallwood has missed the last two weeks. Of course, the rookie has not played, and it looks like Barner has seized the opportunity. Now, the question of the hour, Dave, are you taking Kenyon Barner late if you draft Ryan Matthews? Uh, I probably would, actually. Sure. I think 19th, 20th round, whatever, at this point, I would. The thing is, and, he, and here's the thing. Well, you, know, you get a lot of breakout running backs at age 27. Is that how old Barner is, 27? Yeah, he's been bouncing around the league more Boy, than I did that football machine. I did not realize he was that old. Um, but anyway, I'll say this. From what I've seen this year, and you look at ADP, and you look at teams that have drafted in the FFPC and the Football Guys Players Championship, to me, you really got to load up on running backs uh, in order to get Barner on, on your squad, or you have to take, like, none. Because I feel like a lot of teams are maxing out at six, maybe seven running backs in like the 14th, 15th round. And then they're, you know, taking care of a third tight end or their kicker in their defense or, or another quarterback or something like that. I'm just, I'm not seeing a whole lot of people draft running backs that late. And I think Barner at this point with this new so fresh, maybe take a little advantage of it. I don't know how high he's going to go in ADP. Farrell, what's your read on Barner as the uh, handcuff to, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, to Ryan Matthews this year? Well-liked player in the locker room there. And, it, you know, perhaps uh, he's a late bloomer. I love um, Richard Jennings, uh, Justin Forsett. Through attrition, he gets an opportunity and actually does something. But, uh, yeah, someone's got to step up into that role, and he's the heir apparent to it. You know, I just I was thinking about Forsett while after I, you know, laid out my little 27-year-old breakout guy. It does happen. It does, it does indeed happen. And uh, Forsett, I think, could be another breakout guy this year, Dave, given on – how he's being drafted right now. He's another guy that people just are not giving much respect for. I don't know if it, I don't know if it's, it, I'll it's, take him all day long. It's one. I would too. It's one of two things with Forsett this year. Actually, it's one of three things. One, <laughs> people think he's old. Okay. That fine. Mm-hmm. Whatever. That's accurate. Two, they're not sure he's the starter, which is wrong. We don't know. I mean, it I don't is. think they've officially named a starting running back in Baltimore. And three, they just assume it's going to be four guys West, Allen, Forsett, and Dixon, you know, sharing up that role, and nobody's going to be valuable. I don't know what it is, but you can still get Forsett even right now in the eighth round, sometimes in the ninth. Yeah, that's good. What do you think there, Farrell? I think he's not going to do anything in the preseason because I think they're saving him for the regular season, so he'll continue to drop, and all that buzz about those other backs will continue to happen, and Dixon will probably have a decent game and he'll move back up in the ratings. And, yeah, Forsett will continue to be a great value. I love that pick. You know, you mentioned Dixon Farrell. He's a member of the 2016 rookie class that's actually getting uh, some redraft love this year. And another one of those members, he actually took a step forward last night, had a really good game, and his ADP is probably going to reflect it, and that's Tyler Boyd. He only got three targets in last night's game against Detroit, but he caught two of them Mm -hmm. for 38 yards and a score. Uh, this is in uh, Cincinnati's second preseason game. Uh, Boyd uh, had a 40-yard catch uh, in their in the preseason opener. Also made a uh, diving catch for 26 yards down the sideline tonight. Uh, he caught his touchdown from A.J. McCarron. And let me tell you, as a guy who's witnessed A.J. McCarron play football, that is no <laughs> small feat catching a touchdown from A.J. McCarron. 
Um, Brandon LaFell, obviously. Have you seen his girlfriend? He has that. Yep. He has. He. Uh, I think they're. Aren't they married? Yeah, now? they're married. Yeah. That's um, just wishful thinking. Brandon LaFell has a torn ligament in his hand. If he undergoes the knife and gets it surgically repaired, it's probably going to knock him out for a good portion of the season. Uh, if he tries to rehab it, maybe he's back week one or two. Either way, the opportunity is there for Boyd right now. The coaching staff was falling all over themselves talking about how awesome he was last night. Dave, Tyler Boyd was not a guy I had considered before. Going to have to start looking at him now. Talk a little bit about what you remember in your pre-draft analysis of Tyler Boyd before he was on Cincinnati, because I think that we'll really get to the nuts and bolts of what type of player he is. A really productive player. I mean, I, I think that he's got a lot of talent. He didn't, uh, he didn't test, I think, super fast at the combine, but uh, and he's not a huge guy. But uh, I, I like him. I think I, he, I think he, the, he went to the right team. I think he's a, a person that he's not going to get double covered because of AJ Green. So yeah, I like him a lot. Actually, what? I don't know. I mean, again, as a rookie, you have to temper expectations, but he's he's got to still be cheap in all these drafts, like super cheap, right? Yeah. Well, yes, uh, extraordinarily cheap. But don't you or was he the guy that was really had a really high score on the phenom? Uh, yeah, another, another high PM guy. Yeah, so I mean, obviously that's that's a guy that uh, that we need to look at as far as redraft goes. Farrell, I know that uh, when it comes to having a, a, a you know the analysis of of what you're going to be doing in your draft experts leagues uh, with the FFPC this year, you're going to be looking at Boyd. But how high up is he a selection for you right now? Well, Boyd's my guy, and he's in the high uh, or the. Uh the low double digits, you know, he's he's not necessarily a big guy, but in the way he plays, he reminds me a lot of Keenan Allen. And he, that's passing the eye test for me. I, uh, my football guys drafts that I've had, Tyler Boyd's on, on all those teams, and I'll reach a little early to get him uh, because I think he's going to be much more than a slot receiver for the Bengals. I'm thinking, guys, that his numbers uh, might get in the neighborhood of Sterling Shepard before the season's all over. All right, I like that. Oh, that's interesting. That is really interesting. Okay. Um, now, Farrell, uh, I, I should tell everybody that uh, my good friend Kurt and I did a uh, one of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship uh, online drafts last night. We drafted did a mighty uh, from the sixth spot. Well, thank you very much. I give all the credit to Kurt, as I normally do. Um, but I will say this, Farrell. I, I don't think, and I can't speak for Kurt, but for me, for, me, huh? for me personally – I had never waited on quarterback as long as I did, uh, as long as we did last night. We took um, Marcus Mariota as our number one quarterback in the 14th, and I think in the 15th, it was either the 15th or 16th, I can't remember, we got Ryan Tannehill. And I'm, I'm actually fairly uh, excited uh, to get those two guys with, with the tight ends and backs and receivers we, we built around them. But to get Mariota and Tannehill that late was not something I was familiar with, uh, was not something that I had ever done before. What about you, Farrell? When, when you look at your drafts this year, how long are you uh, personally going to wait on a quarterback? What's the earliest you would imagine taking one this year? Probably in the 10th round. I want to cast my eye at all those FFPC boards when I arrive in Las Vegas, because that's the best way to tell. My guys still haven't caught fire, and my guys are uh, Derek Carr and Jameis Winston. Those are the two that I wish to pair, and they've been consistently, I think, 10 and 13, and I can live with them there. Uh, it, it seems like uh, I get a little tempted in the eighth round sometimes when you see uh, Roethlisberger there, especially if a couple of guys that I was viewing have have you know, got grabbed in front of me, but I try to stay away from it. Balky, I think you did a, 
really uh, a really smart thing waiting that long. Surely there was another quarterback though on the board other than Tannehill. <laughs> See, like I, you're gonna this this year's Travis Benjamin that I I'm not really getting behind. Although I'm starting to warm up to it a little. I'm I'm telling you, mm-hmm. Tannehill man. He and I have been tight since like ever since Adam Gates got hired. Really, that's when I got super excited for Tannehill, and I just I can't quit him. Well, this is this is your last year with him, and the Dolphins' last year with him. If he doesn't step up, so you're in lockstep together with everyone in South Florida. <laughs> well, I will go down with the uh, the SS Tannehill this year and uh, let the chips fall where they may. Uh, now, normally we, we would be interviewing our guest right now the night, and that's 2015 Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship uh, main event champion, uh, James Adams. He actually is uh, doing the play-by-play for a high school football game tonight. He and I exchanged a few emails during it. He thought that the game was going to go late, um, and I said, don't worry about it. You know, you know, we'll, we'll touch base with you on the show when we can. So he'll be calling in at some point. But while we're waiting for him, uh, as promised, I figured Farrell can, uh, can help uh, answer some of the emails that we got in this week. Uh, in the uh, Pharaoh barrel. So Pharaoh, without further ado, I'll uh, kick things off with uh, who is this? Tom in Atlanta, Georgia's email. This is, uh, yeah, Tom in Atlanta. This Ladarius Green thing is getting out of control as he didn't even get drafted in my basement league last night. At what point would you guys be looking to take him and how high has Jesse James climbed on your board? That's Tom in Atlanta, Georgia. Pharaoh, for me, uh, I even in a tight end premium league uh, like the FFPC, I don't know if I can take Green at this point. I'm just I'm not seeing any good positive news uh, coming uh, out of Pittsburgh. There's whispers that are growing and in, growing into quiet talking that may grow into shouting soon that he might be cut or placed on injured reserve. How do you feel about drafting Ladarius Green this year? No way. Uh, sight unseen, out of sight, out of mind for me, Balky. Now I can't really give great analysis to these questions without the music. You know, you didn't play the music tonight, so I'm a little off my game. But this is an easy one. You you threw me up a big, fat softball here. There's no reason to put this player on your roster. There's tons and tons of talent at the tight end position, guys whose games will – whose games will improve as the season's going on. i got to tell you, Balky, in a follow-up to this question, I'm beginning to warm up a little bit to the only Raider that I was down on, Clive Walford. See, you know, that's interesting because I know that you, you were a big fan of, of most of the Oakland players this year, except for Walford. Why is, why, why, what has changed now that makes you feel better about the fantasy prospects for Clive Walford this year? I can't get my guys from the NFL, you know, the coaches and the scouts and front office people, they're difficult to get on the phone this time of year. And once you get them, they're keeping things kind of close to the chest. Some of them will lay it out for me, but, but you know, I, I usually try to leave them alone. But the guys that I love to talk to uh, this time of year are the Canadian Football League scouts that are down here trying to see, you know, visiting the camps and trying to see how they're utilizing the players and who they might be able to grab a hold of um, uh, in, and sign in, in Canada for the end of the season. So, you know, those guys, uh, I talked to one that had been to Raider camp, and he talked to me about how Warford is really not a tight end. It looks more like a receiver in the role that they're utilizing him and that they drafted him uh, because of his hands largely and no other skill, and they, they didn't really get him adapted into the offense like they wanted to 
last year, but he was a so he was utilized like a traditional tight end. He finished strong after my friend told me that. I went and looked up some of the numbers, and he finished strong last year. And um, the role that we saw Seth Roberts have down around the goal line, uh, that just may be Clive Walford this year. It definitely could be. And uh, I actually uh, had the opportunity to draft him last night. Kurt and I, we considered him, and and, uh, I said no. Farrell doesn't like him, and he's a Raider, so we have to stay away. If Farrell doesn't like a Raider, he's not worth uh, worth our time on the team. And and since you said it, Farrell, I'm going to have Rob do it right now. What is, what is interesting is that when the barrel gets rolled out here, I just noticed the end of that email, there was also an, uh, a question about Jesse James. Uh, if, 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 if Green is out, where are we taking the bank robber, Farrell? <laughs> well, you, you're just throwing up a late-round pick, and you're grabbing him and hoping for the best. And so, and, and I'm, I saw that he was drafted last night, 18, 19th round. Of course, by the time we get to the FFPC in Las Vegas, that situation will be satisfied and understood. And people like that player, you know, it's just his name and his style and his play. So if, if he is the guy, he'll move up the board. Well, and, and to answer that question uh, for myself, Farrell, do you know which team selected Jesse James last night in the 19th round. Well, I imagine it was I imagine it was the boys from Wisconsin. Oh, you are 100% correct. Uh, there was uh, we we wanted to get a backup tight end. We had uh, we already had Travis Kelsey drafted early, so we ended up going with Jesse James. And the thing is, I mean, the rationale behind this people is look, we, we're all expecting big things from Ladarius Green as uh, the tight end in the Pittsburgh offense this year. Jesse James could be that pass catcher in the offense that, that Pittsburgh is, is going to need to go down the scene to stretch the field. In limited action last year, he actually looked pretty good. He's costing you almost nothing right now in, in non-FFPC drafting. And honestly, in, even in FFPCs, he's not going uh, as high as he should be, uh, in my opinion, right now. Dave, your thoughts on Jesse James right now as what his upside could be in one of the most electric offenses or what we think could be one of the most electric offenses in the NFL. We have Big Ben throwing the ball to uh, Antonio Brown, tons of targets. But beyond that, no one else commands the ball on the entire team. James could be a red zone target. I don't see any reason not to take him. I'm sure, I'm sure he's going to move up quite a bit. People are going to take flyers on him. He has a, you know, people, it's not that big of a stretch to say he has a shot to be a tight end one, which is crazy. Wow, wow it's nuts. It's only a top 12 tight end, right? And there's so many crappy tight ends right. out there. There's only 32 NFL teams, and you have one of the best quarterbacks throwing the ball. They're going to score a ton of points. Why isn't that a possibility? So at that point, he gets elevated. He's going to go rocketing up boards. I'm not sure he's going to ascend quite high enough, though, to Good get one. on our ascendant list. Yeah, and, and just for anybody who's wondering, Jesse James does not have a gun to our heads right now telling us to say all these, uh, these great uh, things uh, about uh, him. Uh, this is not something that he does. He has turned that life away. He is just on the football field now. Uh, so we like Jesse James for sure. Uh, Eddie in Southfield, Michigan writes, uh, Dear Travis, Nick, and Chris, it seems like drafters and advice sites are finally waking up to Devin Funches. I'm still wondering if he is undervalued at FFPC ADP, and there are a zillion better options in the third round than Calvin Benjamin right now, right? Huh. Gracias. Huh? That's Eddie in South, uh, Southfield, Michigan. Um, so let's talk about Benjamin and uh, Funches. 
You hear we, Farrell. We talk about punches every week. Have we? Maybe that's the reason he's skyrocketing up boards. Maybe. <laughs> All 47 people who listen to our show, including downloads. Yeah, well, that's just 47 people tonight. Um, no, listen, Farrell, uh, Benjamin and Funchess, uh, your opinion on uh, – well, I should bring up their, uh, their ADP so we can get uh, you know, a more accurate representation of, uh, of where these guys are going. Obviously, Benjamin is going uh, first uh, among those receivers. His ADP right now is the 404 in league. So he actually is not going in the third round. He's going in the fourth round uh, of drafts. And then uh, Devin Funches, a guy it is going uh, was going at the 1104 recently. But, Dave, I've seen him in the eighth and ninth round already uh, in drafts. He's, he's definitely going upwards. Farrell, what do you think about each of those two guys? Uh, let's concentrate on Funches because I think we know Benjamin uh... – you know, he's in that group of, of stellar second-year wideouts, and I think he's one prepared to make the step, you know, down. His his contribution last year towards the end of the season was impressive. He had a 100-yard game, which is, is a rare thing at Carolina. He caught some touchdown passes. He's not going to be the, the number one target, and in a schedule that's a lot tougher for the Carolina Panthers, they're going to have to throw more to win, and they're going to have to throw more downfield. I think with Olsen there, uh, with Benjamin there, uh, Funches becomes uh, um, the six foot four, two hundred and maybe two thirty, I think, a wide receiver that is difficult to defend. Um, yeah, I, I I really like that, and I, even at the eight and nine, I think that's a very good value. Dave Funches was a tight end in college, but always uber athletic. Looks like uh, his speed has improved, his strength has gotten better, and uh, a lot of the beat writers talking a lot of great things about Devin Funches uh, in the last week. Yep, I'll say what I said uh, last week. I like him. All right, and we can talk about that. Okay, but the fact I, I, I is, like I liked him coming into the NFL and going into this year, and yes, yes. Do you own him in any dynasties? Just curious. <clears throat> I like half of them. Oh, really? I didn't realize it was that much. Yeah, he wasn't really – he was like an early to mid-second round pick, or, you know, like 13 to 16 in the yeah. drafts. Yeah. He was pretty cheap. And he was, you know, young. He's, you know, Calvin-sized. Right. Yeah. Why not? Who cares? Yeah. It, it makes a lot of sense. I, I can definitely uh, get on board with the Funches as well. Uh, moving on, Blake in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Hello, Kamish, Batman, and Joker. I think this zero <laughs> RB thing is so overrated, and I'm looking to cash in on it in a football guys draft this weekend. Any advice – on how to use this strategy to the disadvantage of my fellow drafters. Thanks for the email, Blake Ooh. in Allentown, Pennsylvania. This is interesting. Everybody's going zero RB in this guy's draft, or he thinks that's what's going to happen. Maybe he's done a few drafts already, and that's happened. How do you use that against those people that are doing it? How do you profit from zagging, Dave, when these guys are zigging with the zero RB? Well, if you're in a league like Farrell's, I mean, I, it, it's really tough. I mean, you still have to get three starting wide receivers. So you really can't go too crazy, but if, you know if a few running backs fall, you can kind of pick them off here and there. But I still I don't think you deviate too much from your your original strategy. I, I wouldn't go like I wouldn't take three straight running backs because then you're going to be looking at 50 receivers already gone. You're like, oh, all right, so Tyler Boyd's my number two. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> yeah. now, you're, now you're in trouble. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, Tyler Boyd, who's your receivers? Tyler Boyd, Funches. Oh, I got great three great running backs. Oh, good for you. Your team sucks. Yeah, and I and I think that and and I, actually I was talking with Farrell about this uh, yesterday. I, I feel like, or no, it was earlier this week actually. The teams I seem to like this year, both in, in Kentucky and the FFPC and FPC, where I've seen a lot more teams, 
the teams I seem to like are the teams that are able to avoid taking running backs longer. Not to the point where your starting running back is like, you know, Bilal Powell, your number one running back. That's ridiculous. But is it? If you're yes, if you're <laughs> able to um, stack a bunch of receivers and, and uh, a couple of tight ends early, and then get a you know starting running back, I'll tell you this, uh, Justin Forsett, if he's your number one, good for you, man. I'm totally fine with that. Like I, I we'll like see. I think, and it's not going to happen anymore because I'm seeing them rise up uh, in, in rankings. Uh, but if you were able to get a starting running back combo of Rashad Jennings, in fact, I might have even said it on the show. Rashad Jennings and Justin Forsett as your starters, that means your receivers and tight ends should be dominant. And they had better be. Exactly. Well, no, I mean, those guys are still going to be very good and outperform their draft positions, in my opinion, right now. So the question is actually, how do you use this against them? Well, like Dave said, you can't just pound running backs and, and, uh, and, and scoop them all up because there's too many running backs to do that with. You, you just can't do it. I think um, if you want to take advantage of what those guys are going to do, you have to pick your spots. You have to choose the spot where, okay, this is an insane running back value. I absolutely can't pass it up. And once you hit that, then take the running back. But still look at receivers. You don't want to get left behind. Farrell, this is especially true in the Kentucky drafts where you have to start three receivers every week. How would you advise somebody who doesn't want to take all those receivers early, maybe trying to get uh, take advantage of the running back value falling to them? What do you tell them? to do to capitalize on that, but not at the expense of having really bad receivers. What I might do if I was Blake was uh, hopefully be in a position to get David Johnson. And then I would go ahead and come with two receivers. Just just like Dave said, you don't want you, – you want to get a couple guys in those top 30 or top 40 wide receivers. Top 20 obviously would be best. But you want to get some, some noted guys that are going to catch the ball. And then you can pound your running backs if you want after you have those two wide receivers and then hope for four young guys that you can draft 10 through 14 uh, that might, one of them might uh, give you the production that you need. I think that might be this, this drafter's best philosophy because I, I just really am impressed with a lot of the running backs that you can get in the middle to late rounds. So, you know, if you're, if you're talking about, um, coming in with uh, more running backs and wide receivers early, uh, get them in the middle rounds, but get you a couple receivers early where you're uh, insured of that production. That makes sense. Uh, I think that, you know, you, you never, you, you want to be contrarian to a point. And I think, you know, the drafters that are going to be most successful this year, uh, not going zero RB or just, you know, not even throw zero RB out of it. But, you know, the, the teams that don't want to go uh, heavy receivers right away, the teams that find that sort of, you know, magical point where they can exploit um, the zero RB drafters uh, as much as they can to get maximum value on their team at, without costing them at receiver. Those are the teams that are going to be set up for the most success uh, in 2016, especially in Kentucky. Uh, let's go to Randall in New York, New York. If Rawls and Michael are expected to split the job in Seattle, why are they going 12 rounds apart from each other? You guys are doing a great job this season. Thank you, Randall. And thank you for the email. It is Randall in uh, New York City, New York. Maybe he knows Alex. I don't know. Uh, New York's not that big, Dave, right? It's overrated. A couple hundred people. A couple hundred, yeah. So you look at, uh, you look at Rawls versus uh, Kristen Michael this year. And uh, right now, Rawls has obviously fallen with the, uh, with the news that uh, Kristen Michael sounds like he's going to be 
a valuable part of that backfield in Seattle this year. Um, but how big of a part? That's the question. Rawls is going right now in uh, FFPC drafts at the 409. Kristen Michael going much, 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 much later than that. He's an 18th round pick right now uh, in uh, the FFPC. Now, this is going to change uh, as we as we move forward. I think Michael is obviously going to move up in drafts. Rawls might fall a little bit more, especially until we see him on the field. But Farrell, you look at the difference there. That's 14 rounds of difference uh, in average draft position. How do you fall in on Rawls versus Michael? Well, I wish I I wish what I had had done in some of my drafts was to to take Michael as I've had in previous years, and I think that's the, the reason for for the spread there because people have a frequent or a recent memory of Rawls' contribution at Seattle, and then Michael has been drafted on promise for years and years and delivered very, very little. So, yes, that will change. I'm I'm very confused about the entire Seattle situation. I can't figure them out at tight end. I don't know if I trust those receivers. The running back things will have to work its way out during the season. I think there's 31 other teams that I'm going to look at in the draft, and I'm just going to look away from what goes on there except at the quarterback position. Well, I'll tell you one place you don't want to look away, this show. We have to take a break, but we have our guest, James Adams, coming up right after this. He won the Kentucky Fantasy, uh, Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship last year, actually edged out somebody on this show tonight. We'll get into it right after this. Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak on the HSFF Power. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour rolls on tonight here. Uh, I am Eric Balkman. He is Dave Gerzak. I want to welcome in tonight's guest. Uh, came into a week 16 last year, uh, chasing a few teams in the KFFFC main event. He propelled past all of them, including the eventual runner-up, one Dave Gerzak, to claim the 2015 crown, including a Titlecraft trophy, $7,500 in cash, and a seat at the FFPC main event this season. You can uh, also hear him on the Fantastics Insider Football Show on Sirius XM Saturdays and Sundays from 10 to 1. Uh, please welcome in. You follow him on Twitter at JamesAdams94. Kentucky defending champ James Adams. James, thanks for uh, shuffling off one broadcast tonight and on to the next for us. Hey, you got it, guys. Thanks a lot for having me. Very excited to have you on. Uh, tell the uh, tell the listeners uh, a little bit about we we know about fantastics, but tell the listeners a little bit about what else you do when you're not playing fantasy football and winning the Kentucky main event. Well, I do uh, I do a little bit of everything, I guess. I just got done broadcasting a uh, high school football game here in Northern Kentucky on our Greater Cincinnati ESPN and Fox Sports affiliates. Uh, so I do some work covering high school football. Uh, write some fantasy for GetSportsInfo.com. Obviously, uh, you mentioned the Fantastics Insider program. I just started doing a little writing for them as well. So I've been doing that show, been talking a little fantasy for, I guess, about five years now, talking fantasy football between the uh, Cincinnati area and the channel is serious. And then I actually do uh, some landscaping. Uh, you may catch me cutting somebody's grass in your neighborhood if you live in northern Kentucky. Well, there you go. That's uh, very, uh, very eclectic. Talking about fantasy, yep. mowing lawns, maybe listening to fantasy while while you mow lawns. Obviously, you're immersed in it, and obviously paid off big time last year for you, James. You win the Kentucky main event. Uh, tell us what it was like going into uh, Week 16 when you knew you were in contention for the overall title. What was it like watching games that weekend, and then the moment you realized, wow, I I, I did it. I won this whole thing. Well, okay, so this is no lie. Dan and I, Dan Klassen is my, we co-host the uh, the fantasy football shows. 
and we were talking that Sunday morning on the show, and I'm not even lying when I tell you. You know you have crazy dreams? I literally was having dreams about Devonta Freeman, who was on Like, nothing weird, like, nothing, nothing normal. It was all very weird. It wasn't football. It was like, you know, I'm going to the grocery store, and here's number 24 for the Falcons sitting shotgun in his uniform, in a helmet. Like, it was just, it was weird, man. It was very odd because uh, it was very immersive. You know, I really wanted to win. I was very excited. So I did, I had some odd dreams, and it was usually around Devonta Freeman because he was like my superstar of the team, at least, you know, the, the superstar pick. Um, I'm watching football that day. I can distinctly remember the Dolphins had the ball, the whole line. I had Lamar Miller as my other starting running back. He was greatly underused, I thought, by the Dolphins last year. I'm sitting there watching Jay Ajayi get two carries from the goal line, and then he doesn't score, and he's tired, and Lamar Miller comes in. And literally, Ajayi not scoring those, those two tries, and then Miller scoring, I mean, that's like, uh, that's like a thousand, seven, I don't know how much, I mean, it might be $7,000 difference in my life because Miller <laughs> come in and stole that touchdown. So, you know, I mean, I was a nervous wreck all day. Uh, then Monday during the off season, I was doing that, doing some like cleanup. My buddy's family owned some houses. We were cleaning these houses up. He comes to pick me up. I'm like, Hey, uh, you think Emmanuel Sanders can get me 20 PPR points tonight? He's like, I don't know why. I was like, well, if he does, I'm going to win like close to $10,000 and cash some prizes. And he was like, Oh, so I guess we're going to watch the game. Well, we're Bengals fans, so we were already going to watch the Monday night game between Denver and uh, and the Bengals. The year before, Monday night football was in Cincinnati, week 16. The, Bron- the Broncos were the host team. And a friend of mine had Demarius Thomas, who just fell short of the yardage needed. So I won like 500 bucks, bucks in one of my hometown leagues that night. So turn it forward a- another year. I'm up at the bar with about five of my buddies. Huge Bengal bar. You know, we're like 10 miles from downtown Cincy. And the game goes overtime. Well, first Emmanuel Sanders scores, and I'm just like, I- I'm making sure. Is that really him? Is that really him? And I finally let out a big scream. Then the game goes overtime. I'm like, why? Why does this have to go on? Why can't it just end right now? And it finally ends. It was, uh, I think McCarron was sacked and fumbled. The Broncos recovered the ball. I stand up. My buddy, and, you know, me and my buddy, we're not like hug your friends kind of guys. We hug. I scream, <laughs> F, yeah, at the top of my lungs. And there's one lone Broncos fan in this bar. And this bar is packed, too. I mean, because the Bengals are fighting for a potential home field uh, first-round buy. I go over. I pick this guy up. I'm hugging him. I'm like, yeah. He's like, uh, he looks at me. He's like, are you a Broncos fan? I'm like, no, but I just want a lot of money. And, uh, and dude, it was awesome. I mean, it was, it was, it was really fun. Farrell, did you, um, did you end up, uh, when did you talk to James, uh, after that, uh, Broncos Bengals game? Do you, do you recall the conversation? Uh, yeah, he set that guy down and answered his phone when I called. Uh, <laughs> and that was, uh, yeah, because we talked that night, James. I think I was with. Uh, oh yeah, I was with. You were with Justin uh, McCord, who came in third. Our Monday night at Hooters, McCord was with us. Uh, uh, the Cox brothers were with us. All the gang that hangs out on our regular Monday night. Uh, we try to escape Hooters, but we can't figure out anywhere else to go, and uh, so that's that's where we end up. And we had a good group there at night, and we really enjoyed the fact that. Uh, uh, that James got a big win. And it was, I tell you what, we had to hold our breath because there's another guy in the room who was right there, Balky. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, well, James was right there he, as well. 
Yeah, I mean, it was it, it was really heavy hitters. You had Adams and Gerzak and McCord all at the top of the leaderboard. You know, obviously, I, I kind of decided to let those guys, you know, you three guys have a shot at it this year. I just I, I didn't want to win it last yeah, year. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, you know, just, that. it's, um, it's the philanthropist in me. So it worked out that way that you guys, uh, you know, are all battling uh, for it right at the top. Very exciting finish. Um, one of the guys, James, that has uh, changed jerseys since, uh, since your big win in Kentucky last year has been Martellus Bennett moving from Chicago to New England. England. There's been a lot of talk that maybe Gronk and uh, Bennett can sort of replicate what Gronk and Aaron Hernandez did uh, in their prime. What are what's your thoughts on how close Bennett uh, can come this year to producing Aaron Hernandez-like numbers? Yeah, you know, I, I look at that comparison, and 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 we've been kind of saying that we've been saying about Chandler, we've been saying about Sudfeld. Hasn't really panned out. I don't think Marty B is the same player that Hernandez was. But let's not forget that Bennett was a tight end one in his own right when he was in Chicago. So he was definitely a, a starting tight end on all fantasy teams to begin with. So this is a guy with more talent than the, the two guys I just mentioned. But he's a different player than Hernandez. So I don't know if it's going to be the exact same thing. But I look at the New England receiving core. I mean, Julian Edelman, we'll see if he's ready to go in week one. You know, he might be. He's banged up. He's taken a lot of hits throughout his career. I think that Martellus Bennett, whether or not he's a tight end or whatever he is, he has to be one of the top four receiving options between Edelman and Deion Lewis, assuming he's ready to go in week one, and then Rob Gronkowski. So I don't know if it's like if it's right to compare it to the Hernandez situation because Hernandez, I think, was a little bit leaner, a little bit quicker. But I definitely think Martellus Bennett is a guy who could he could be top twelve tight end, which makes him a starter in every format. Yeah, I think there's if there's one thing we know is is Tom Brady can make you look your best even when you're not. Yeah. And if Martellus Bennett comes into this offense and uh, is able to develop a, a rapport with Brady when he comes back from suspension, sky's the limit for Bennett, and he could really outperform his draft spot uh, right now as well. Let's talk a little uh, Jordy Nelson here, James. James Adams, of course, the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship reigning uh, champion joining the show tonight along with uh, the commissioner Farrell Elliott. Jordy Nelson, James, has uh, been cleared to practice, taken off the pup list. Is he going to be returning to what he was in 2014, or is age going to catch up with them? Will coming off a serious injury catch up with them? Is the tendonitis in the non-ACL uh, knee going to be too much for him? I mean, he's healthy. He would be going in the late first, early second. He's right now. He's kind of going in that early second, mid second in, in Kentucky drafts. What's your opinion on what you see happening with Jordy Nelson this year? You know, I expect him to be pretty close to what he was. Maybe it's the age because Kelvin Benjamin, I'm not backing off at all, but maybe Jordy Nelson, I am a little bit. Of course, Kelvin Benjamin barely cracked a thousand yards or was just under something like that. Whereas Jordy put up huge numbers in 2014 I was in an MFL 10, you know, the best ball format, and I had the first pick, so then I had the 24-25. I took Jordy, who slid to me at 24, and I took Sammy Watkins. And afterwards, I remember looking at my team thinking, I don't know if I have a good receiving core, and I've taken receivers with my first three picks because I was worried about the injuries to both of those guys. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not dying to get Jordy Nelson. You know, there are a lot of other guys in that realm, like a Mike Evans, Amari Cooper, uh, you know, depending on what ADPs you're looking at, Brandon Marshall, guys that I'd rather have ahead of him. But I guess, I mean, I guess I've already proven that if he falls to me at 24, I'm going to take him. But that was a $10 buy-in best ball play. That wasn't, you know, a high-stakes <laughs> league. So it's a little different animal. 
Yeah, it's, it's totally different uh, when you're talking about, again, it, it comes in with my whole uh, Le'Veon Bell thing and, and Rob Murkowski thing. It's like, how how warm and fuzzy do you want to feel after your first couple of rounds? Do you want to feel really warm and really fuzzy and then try to swing for those home runs in the mid-rounds? Or are you willing, uh, especially if you're playing in, in the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, we're trying to beat hundreds of other teams. Sometimes it's a, it's a bold pick like that, that if it pays off, it can pay off a lot. And I'll tell you what, there's another player that's been somewhat polarizing uh, in, in the fantasy industry as, as far as running backs go this year, and that's Jamal Charles. Uh, he's coming back healthy. He's actually been getting a lot of work in the preseason thus far. Uh, he tore his ACL a second time. It was the other ACL, so he's torn both of them, uh, never the same one twice. Andy Reid usually only likes to use one running back in his offense, but last year Spencer Ware and Sharkandrick West actually showed that they can really play given the opportunity. Are you good, James, with Jamal Charles in the mid-second round, say, of a Kentucky draft? If I'm going running back, yes. I'm finding myself wanting to take receiver with the first and second picks. So it's not that I'm not good with Jamal Charles. Um, I, I just don't know if I'm taking running back there. And I heard you guys talking about, like, going against the zero RB theory. I guess I'm one of them zero RB theory guys. I'll be real honest. So uh, I, I just don't know too. that I'll be taking him. You know, I mean, I'm just liking it. The way I'm, I'm doing drafts so far, I'm liking getting a crop of running backs in rounds four through eight. You know, maybe not all of those picks, but, you know, getting a bunch of guys and hoping they pan out because injuries are likely a running back. So I'm not worried too much about them. injury prone because that's the nature of the position. Um, I'll tell you this. I mean, if you're telling me I can have either Ezekiel Elliott or Jamal Charles, I'm probably going to be in a huge minority that says I'd rather have Jamal Charles because I'd rather trust a guy I've seen average five yards a carry year in, year out when healthy versus trusting a guy who looked really good in college but has never been an NFL player before. That makes a lot of sense, uh, and I think that that's, that's the decision. You know, I, I, what I like what you said there, James, is, is if you're going running back, yeah, then I'm fine with him there because I feel like, for me too, I feel like myself, you know, I did the Kentucky draft last night, and I just I felt better about my team. And I'll tell you this um, – when it comes down to Le'Veon Bell, he was actually available last night in uh, the mm-hmm. mid-third of, uh, of, this, uh, of this main event. And, Farrell, you can, you can vouch for this. And, I, uh, you know, Kurt and I had the opportunity to, to take him uh, in the mid-third. And we ended up going, I think we took, we took a receiver, and it was a, it was a, I think we took Jeremy Macklin over Le'Veon Bell. And, I, and afterwards, I'm like, oh, man. Kurt, we could have had you know, we could have had Le'Veon Bell instead of Macklin, and I looked at the way the team ended up, and I looked at our other options, what we could have done for receiver, and I'm actually happy we ended up taking Macklin in the third round over Le'Veon Bell, and I think that James, this just gets back to it, like maybe Bell has well, Bell for sure has the higher ceiling, and he's the more talented player, but I just I feel like I like my team better if I'm getting those receivers early. I just like the way that they, the team looks at, 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 at the uh, Macklin. As Macklin over Le'Veon Over Bell. Le'Veon Bell, yeah. <laughs> so you would not have done that, Dave. No. You would have taken Bell and not thought twice about it. Right. Okay. Well, James, you get, you get what I'm saying, though. Like, when you, when you <laughs> take those receivers early, you take a look at your team afterwards, you're like, you know what? This is a pretty good team. I like it. Look, Bell's a pass catching back, but – Let's not forget that Bell was hurt last year. You know, he, he got hurt the year before, I believe. And now he's going to miss four games, and he's a guy who's proven that he can't play 16. I don't know, man. I mean, they're, they're, you're looking, you might burn the candle on both ends there because you're going to miss four to start with, most likely. 
and then you're going to miss you, – you, you get a good chance to miss time at the end. So I don't know. That'd be a tough call, though. I do, I do think, like, in a KFFC setup where you take your average points till you get to that main event time, and if you have a healthy bell at that point, his numbers late are way more important than his numbers early. So that'd be a hard call. Uh, I hope I don't get stuck in that spot. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Uh, James, we're going to take a quick break, but when uh, we come back, James is actually – James Adams, who won the Kentucky main event uh, last year, is going to tell us what he's going to try to do better in 2016. Yes, I don't know either. But we're going to find out from James right after this on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour with Eric Balkman, Dave Gerzak, James Adams, and Farrell Elliott. Coming back right after this. The HSFF Hour is having its annual Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship preview tonight. I'm Eric Balkman. He's Dave Gerzak. We're joined by the commissioner of the KFFSC, Farrell Elliott, and the reigning main event champion, James Adams. I talked about it before the break, James. You win the main event last year, and anytime you win something like that, it's, it's always tough to gauge what you could have done better, what you should have done better uh, when you uh, are beating hundreds of other teams doing exactly the decisions uh, that you did last year. But what are you going to try to do, if anything? What are you going to try to do a little bit different this year in terms of drafting and in terms of, of managing your squad throughout the NFL season? I mean, let's keep in mind, yeah, I did win it all. I barely got in. I was a wild card team. I didn't win my division, uh, regular season or, or the uh, division playoffs. Um, I was one of the last wild card teams to get in. So there's a whole lot of room for improvement. Don't worry about that. Uh, let's just hope I can figure it out. At least I'm hoping that. One thing is I'm going to try to have uh, more than one and a half running backs because Devonta Freeman wasn't really a good running back on draft day. He wasn't even the starter. Tevin Coleman was. I got very lucky with him. Uh, I had I, – I'm almost embarrassed to say I had, like, Garrett Blunt as my third running back. I mean, it's embarrassing to say. Like, I, it's almost like I'm not going to get my trophy now because I just said that. I really had – I just had garbage running backs. So I'll tell you what, I, I took Andrew Luck with the second pick because I was like, oh, man, it's Andrew Luck coming off that great year. He's young. He'll be healthy. You know, he's not. he hasn't taken the licks these other guys have. I'm going to try to stick a little bit more to my program and – I don't really want to take a quarterback in the second round. I didn't want to do it then, but I was like, oh, this line is so great. I'm trying to be a little more disciplined on draft day. Um, I'm going to try to spend my fab a little better. Yeah, I think we always want to do that. That's something I struggle with every single year. It's just, you know, sometimes I don't know if I'm spending too much. I don't know if I'm bidding too little. It is so yeah. frustrating. That is a chess game I will never figure out. That's just something that, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be sitting for the rest of my days on this earth, as long as I play fantasy football, I'm going to be staring at that fab thing, trying to figure it out every single year. And it's just going to be like looking at a million puzzle pieces and literally no idea where to start no idea where the where the pieces fit in. It is so frustrating. It's one of the challenges of high-stakes fantasy football. It's actually one of the reasons why I love it. I mean, it is a lot of fun. Uh, but I think that's good advice for everybody is, is managing that, uh, that FAB budget as best as we can. I do want to get to one email here uh, tonight, James, and I think it's apropos given that you are a uh, Bengals fan. This is from Alex in Pomona, California. He writes, hi, James. What are you hearing on Tyler Eifert? Can you give us your best guess? on how many regular season games he will miss in 2016. Thanks for the email, Alex. Uh, I don't know uh, about this one. That I feel like I'm, I'm going to the horse's mouth here, or at least as close as I can get to the horse's mouth, James. What is your read on Tyler Eifert as far as uh, his early season prognosis? I wish he would have had the surgery earlier and we wouldn't have to have this talk as a Bengals fan. 
As a fantasy player, I wish you'd had the sur- surgery earlier too, so we wouldn't have to have this talk. But that's because I think he's in for a big regression because it was a lot of touchdowns, not a lot of yards. You can't bank on those touchdowns. No, I know that's not the answer to the question. My guess is three, but that's a total guess. Now, I mean, there's no real, there's no real word coming out right now. Uh, there's, there's not an answer. But I'll tell you this: if you're trying to get a value on him, you better, you better think about his yardage totals. They were much less than a Greg Olson, a Jordan Reed, a Rob Gronkowski, a Gary Barnage. They were way less than that. He had, I think, 13 touchdowns. So the big touchdown number was why he was a productive fantasy player. But those touchdowns are no guarantee to be his. Hugh Jackson's gone. We got a new offensive coordinator in town. So, uh, you know, I think that, I think that could change what happens when he's in the field. No, obviously he proved to be a big part of that offense, scoring touchdowns. But Tyler Eifert, I'll be honest with you, is a guy I want nothing to do with. And I wish he was healthy so that he would be drafted ahead of guys like Greg Olson, which before, you know, the injury came out and it was like late, you know, it was people putting the rankings together in January and they had Reed and I had Olson. And I'm just looking at people like, what are you doing? Why aren't you? This is a PPR, people. I don't care if he only scores six touchdowns. So my answer to that, in a very roundabout way without being, uh, without being straightforward is I'm going to guess three games, but you know, the information's out there for everyone. Everyone can go to the website, the Bengals website and read what I read. So I don't really have any real inside information, uh, but I'm avoiding Tyler Eifert this year regardless. And I wish he was hundred percent healthy so that other tight ends would fall down the board a little bit more. Well, James, not, not only that, think about if we had a, a healthy Tyler Eifert earlier in the offseason, think about where he'd be going in drafts right after Marvin Jones goes to Detroit, right after Muhammad Sanu oh, yeah. goes to Atlanta. And now you have literally Green and Eifert there. And if Eifert was healthy, I mean, God only knows where he'd be going in Kentucky. For sure in the FFPC where you get the, the Titan, uh, point and a half, uh, per, a point and a half per catch for tight ends, yeah. Eifert would be skyrocketing up there. It would have been madness, and we're not dealing with it right now, obviously, because – he had that surgery. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. We know you're avoiding Tyler Eifert. Is there another player that you'd like to share with us tonight, James? A player that you do not want to have anything to do with this season? And maybe a player, a sleeper, a player maybe going later in drafts that you're going to try to get everywhere you can? Well, I did say earlier that I was also uh, not really interested in Ezekiel Elliott. He could be great but he's a rookie. I haven't seen it yet. So I'd rather be wrong and not have him than be wrong and have him. So he's a guy I'm not going after, but I mean, don't kid yourself. If he was like available with the 26th pick, I'd jump on him, but he won't be. Uh, I said earlier that I was, uh, I was feeling a little bit wrong about my Andrew Luck pick. How about Cam Newton? Here's a guy who's generally number one on most quarterback boards. He was a guy who was undrafted in a lot of formats, maybe not in a 20 round draft like the KFFSC is, but he was a guy that was undrafted in a lot of formats last year who became the QB1, and now he's a lock, solid QB1. I don't know. Maybe he is. I mean, I get it. He gets Benjamin back. Funches is a year older and more mature. But am I really going to go QB1 and go early QB, which I already don't want to do, but am I going to do it for Cam Newton, a guy who I wasn't even drafting last year? So he's a guy I think uh, – I think people have very short memories of him. I mean, he had a great rookie year, then he wasn't very good for a little bit. Now he was great last year, but is that going to continue? I don't know. I don't trust it. 
Yeah, and, and certainly with the price you have to pay with Cam Newton, uh, that uh, definitely seals the deal on me not drafting him this year as well. Uh, James, $7,500 last year. You win the FFPC main event entry this year, the trophy, but the cash is what we want to talk about. What did you do with that cash you got from the KFFSC championship uh, in the main event last year? Well, uh, Farrell sent out an email with me holding a fish shortly after uh, the after Christmas. My buddies and I did a little well, – that was the picture of me, and he was saying how my trophy will be much nicer. Uh, shortly after that, this is Kentucky, of course, so what do we do? We did a little striped bass fishing, me and some buddies. So uh, it was very cold. We were the only ones on the lake. Uh, no game wardens to be found because they didn't think anybody would be out there dumb enough to be fishing in the snow. Uh, but we caught some nice stripers, had some good uh, times there. Uh, and I went to – I've had a bunch of concerts. I've been to uh, Guns N' Roses, came to Paul Brown Stadium. So I ponied up for some floor seats and got as close as I could. Sadly, the pit was sold out, so I didn't get a chance to get in the pit. I was bummed about that. But uh, hearing Welcome to the Jungle in the jungle was outstanding. And I'll be honest, the Guns N' Roses reunion tour was fantastic. Uh, and I got a couple more concerts lined up. I'm going up to Cleveland to see Dirty Heads in a couple months. Just saw them in Cincinnati, actually, recently. Uh, going to see Revolution in a few months, too. So, uh, doing my, you know, my favorite things in life are sports and music and, uh, you know, drinking craft beer. So, that's, that's how I blend those things. And uh, I use some money I won in sports to go drink craft beers and, and watch some of my favorite bands. Oh, this is, uh, that's living the dream right there. That's what we always want to hear uh, with, uh, with the money. It's such a fun way to spend it. And uh, we will, well, before we let you go, talk a little bit about uh, the stuff you're doing for uh, GetSportsInfo.com and then uh, with Fantistics as well, the stuff you're writing there. And, and tell us a little bit about the show with uh, you and Dan Claskins. Cool, yeah. Well, GetSportsInfo uh, is a website I've been writing for for a while. My buddy Dan Claskins, who's been a big part of getting the KFFSC, uh, you know, entrenched in Cincinnati as part of the, uh, part of the draft experience. He's, he's had this website for a long time. You know, him and I have done local fantasy talk, and, you know, mostly I write fantasy football. Uh, I don't know fantasy baseball that well, but he, he has me write baseball in the spring, and it's usually mediocre at best, I'd bet. But uh, mostly football, which is usually good, I think. Um, yeah, I also, like you said, do the uh, fantas- Fantastics Insider Football stuff. I uh, just really started writing for them. I never really considered self- myself a writer, but – you know, then my boss from the radio program found out I was writing for Dan, and I guess he felt like, uh, you know, he needed to get a little taste of my writing. And apparently being a political science major and, and writing five-page papers all the time has paid off, but it, I'm writing <laughs> fantasy sports, not what my professors were thinking I'd be writing. Uh, and then you can do the programs on uh, Satellite, Sirius XM's Fantasy Sports Channel. We'll actually be on uh, Saturdays and Sundays throughout the preseason, 10 to 1 Eastern. And, uh, you know, I mean, we just talk fantasy. We take questions. You know, we, Dan's got a, a pretty good preseason schedule of kind of breaking out the topics, so we don't rehash the same things over and over again. Of course, you know, when we started talking on July 2nd, fantasy football, we are rehashing some of the same stuff over and over again. It's just, <laughs> I mean, there's only so much you can say, right? I mean, eventually you start talking about rookie tight ends, and it's like, why do you want me to break down rookie tight ends? Just don't draft them. Isn't that good enough? But – Sometimes you got to fill air time. So, so you know, we, we, we talk about how there are people to keep an eye on in dynasty formats. Well, there you go. I, I certainly appreciate uh, you coming on tonight, James. I know that you had an extremely busy 
Friday night. I appreciate you making some time for us. We're uh, going to follow you on Twitter at JamesAdams94. Of course, Fantastics uh, Insider Football Show on SiriusXM Saturdays and Sundays from 10 to 1 Eastern. You can check that out on Sirius. And uh, James, good luck uh, in, uh, in at the Horseshoe on Sunday trying to defend your title. Best of luck to you, not only in the KFFSC this year, but in all your leagues, man. Thanks for coming on. Hey, I appreciate it. It was a pleasure. I mean, it was a busy Friday, but you know, I watched a high school football game, pretty entertaining, got to call the play-by-play, and then I jump on and talk fantasy football with you. It's busy, but trust me, there are a lot of people that aren't as busy that are a lot more bored and not having as much fun with what they're doing. So it was my pleasure to jump on, and uh, I'm looking forward to competing with you guys yet again this year, and we'll see if I can repeat. I'll be happy to just to, to, to make a good showing. Well, listen, that, that's that's my philosophy. Oh, my. He doesn't believe it, though. My philosophy on life. Just make a good showing. <laughs> Thanks a lot, James. We'll talk to you again soon, man. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Have a good one. James Adams, ladies and gentlemen, at JamesAdams94 on Twitter. You can uh, check out the Fantastics Insider Football Show uh, Saturdays and Sundays, 10 to 1 Eastern on SiriusXM. Farrell, uh, you told me that uh, James is a great guy. He did not disappoint. What a fantastic interview he was. Well, I'm really fortunate that James has a regular gig on Friday night because my status as uh, as occasional uh, co-host would, would be in jeopardy uh, very quickly because he's very knowledgeable. He's a very pleasant uh, guy to be around. And I uh, uh, he, one of the things he's doing different this year, and I, I will say last year he played one team, one team in the league. This year he's playing two, and uh, he'll be uh, he'll receive his trophy uh, Saturday night uh, in Louisville, uh, and uh, you guys will all get to uh, meet each other and spend some time together. But yeah, he's very knowledgeable. Well, exciting, good stuff. And, and works hard at it. Yeah, yeah, he'll be down. And uh, he was uh, he he had locked up a little bit of his funds to head to uh, head to the FFPC in Las Vegas, but I think he'll be utilizing his bid and uh, and playing online uh, because of uh, obligations due to his. Uh, due to his fantasy radio, but he he really was looking forward to coming to Las Vegas, so he'll just go to more concerts. <laughs> more GNR, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, Farrell, you have a busy, uh, busy Saturday at the, uh, uh, or excuse me, busy Sunday at the Horseshoe in Cincinnati, yes. uh, but we don't need to talk about that because anybody who's looking to play in it, they're full. However, there are some openings if you wanted to draft in Louisville, and uh, if you wanted to draft online, you can do both, actually. Tell, uh, tell the listeners a little bit about what's still available at KFFSC.com this year. Guys, we've got Saturday available both morning and night in, in divisions that you guys will play in. Uh, we've got uh, the I Want Las Vegas uh, Ancillary League still available on Sunday evening. Our Sunday day currently is sold out, but we're taking standby reservations. If we can get another 12, we'll open that up to to drafters that want to be there at 1.30 on Sunday. There's some guys that are going to end up being wish-I-hads. We're trying to accommodate everyone, but I've learned something from Mr. Dave Gerzak. You can have a better event providing for the people that come in early rather than trying to make it a great event for guys that come in three and four days before the event starts. So we're uh, we're trying to lock it up, but we've got room for everyone. Plus, we've got some onlines, and, and the dates are at KFFSC. Dot com. You can also uh, visit the uh, Facebook page, uh, Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship Facebook page, and uh, and and look at what we have there. But uh, a lot of the listeners 
that play in the FFBC, Dave, it's a whole lot more than 47 downloads. You better better tap the screen and see if you can get a true reading there because uh, <laughs> your guys uh, that I've had the pleasure of talking to um, via via this uh, High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour have, have joined us uh, from all across the country, and it's uh, I'm certainly honored and humbled to have, have these guys uh, uh, playing with us here in Kentucky. Well, did did uh, Brad Wiegand get a hold of you? No, sir. But I'm I'm up until 3 a.m. and Brad's welcome to call tonight 502-523-5057. Yeah. I'll be watching football. All right, I'll, uh, I'll yell at him. Yeah, well, go. that's uh, that's going to be another one of the uh, the the Wisconsin crew that is uh, coming down this year. So very excited to. Uh, you can just go sit in a casino or drink all day, whatever. Actually, you're an idiot. Long time uh, listener of the show too, Wiggy. Uh, we'll be playing it. Yeah, Wiggy, if you're listening, you're an idiot. Why don't you get a hold of Farrell? All right, fair, fair we enough. We need um, Wiggy down can... here because we all want to. We all want to witness you guys drinking Wisconsin boy. Yeah, no, <laughs> the, the only way to do it, Farrell. Uh, you can reach out to Farrell if you want to play in the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. 502-523-5057. Facebook.com slash KFFSC. And, of course, KFFSC.com is where you can register for the stuff available in Louisville and the stuff available online. Check it out. It is a lot of fun. Farrell, buddy, I want to thank you for uh, for hanging out with us tonight. Uh, always a pleasure having you on the airwaves. And we are going to see you live in Louisville next week. Enjoy the day in Cincinnati first on Sunday going to be a fun uh, next week or so. It's going to be awesome, man. Seven more ga- days, guys. I look forward to seeing you. All right. I can't wait. Uh, Farrell uh, Elliott, always a, uh, a great guy to talk to about anything. Music, sports, fantasy, whatever. <laughs> Fantastic. And, and you know what, Dave? Life advice. Life advice, yeah. He uh, single-handedly was the one who uh, got me and my wife together. Really? No, but I just wanted to see what your reaction to that would be. That, what, 12 years ago when you started dating? <laughs> ah, whatever. Or was it 15? That is going to do it for our uh, show, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank James Adams. I want to thank Farrell Elliott, the FFPC, Rob Bryce, and, of course, you for tuning in. We'll be back next Friday live from the Horseshoe in Louisville, Kentucky. We're broadcasting live. I believe you're going to be going on. Uh, I, have to, I have to, you know, follow the, the Facebook and, and the Twitter. We'll post it on there. I believe – it is two hours earlier than we normally go on. What? So we will be on oh two hours gosh. early. Might even be two and a half hours. I have to figure that out yet. No one's going to be listening. With Rob. People will listen, trust me. And uh, we're going to be broadcasting. And that will be our last show until uh, after the NFL season starts. So it will be a boffo show. We're going, to, uh, we're going to introduce The Ascendant for 2016. And it will be an email-heavy show. Send in your emails. We want to hear your emails, your tweets, everything. They're all going to be read next week because it's the last time we can really help you before draft. So Ascendant next week uh, and live from Louisville next week. It's uh, going to be a blast. I want to thank uh, everybody for listening tonight. Once again, drafts the football guys teams this weekend. Sign up for those slow drafts. Uh, uh, remember, they close out this weekend. And, of course, all the online satellites of Superflex League and Dynasty Startups going off at myffpc.com. Your weekend starts now! This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by myffpc.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. I gotta go, cause I got me a drop top, and if I hit the switch, I can make the ass drop. Had to stop at a red light, looking in my mirror, not a jacker in sight, and everything is all- I to tell you, for anybody who's playing in the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship this year, I feel like James Adams...
maybe gave a little bit too much of his strategy away. Picked up on a lot of it. You're all playing for second now. Probably not, but it's fun to say. Talk to you next week.